Welcome to Sage Up, a podcast about anything and everything that involves all of us on some level to better ourselves, our community, our society, humanity as a whole, by making the most impeccable choices as decent human beings. Higher vibrations and scientific data work together to make this podcast happen. I'm your host, Elle. We have a lot to talk about, so get comfy and enjoy this journey with me. Okay, here's a scenario. Imagine a house with a thousand rooms. You could choose to explore the rooms or stay in one room. If you choose to stay in one room, maybe it's because it's the first one that you entered and it's all that you know, all that you've been exposed to, so you're comfortable with that. But understand that you only have access to the things and experiences and knowledge that's within this one room. And you may refuse to go into the other rooms, maybe because of discomfort, hesitation, or fear of the unknown, or what you believe could be in these other rooms that could be scary or harmful or evil, or that you think your room is better than the rest without even seeing the other rooms firsthand. So you will never truly know what these other rooms are like unless you experience them yourself to decide whether they serve you or not. Then there are other people there. They may choose to stay in one of the other rooms and they may never choose to go wander and check out the other rooms. They may never come to your room. How do you feel? Don't you want others to explore your room in order to like understand who you are so that they don't assume that your room is bad or, you know, uninviting or anything like that. Then there could be these people who want to explore all rooms, then decide which ones they enjoy. It could be some of them, could be all of them. This could change later for them. They may change their preferences and they're okay with a little discomfort and surprise to find what serves them and even respecting the discomfort and also the other tenants choices because they understand other people have different preferences, beliefs. So when it comes to societal boxes and labels, how is that any different? You wouldn't expect to live in a house and stay in just one room. So why would you create a societal box for yourself or a societal label or give this to other people? Putting yourself in a box, you're really missing so much. You're, there's so much to discover, so much to learn, so much to experience and understand. And I would love to talk a little bit more about personal comfort zones in another episode, but right now we're kind of on a societal scale of trying to be a decent, decent human being. And part of that is not putting yourself in a box or giving yourself a label and doing that to other people. Here's a question for you. When is the last time you asked yourself who you are? I mean, really, who you really are. Taking away any titles that you have, any labels, any roles, Who are you underneath that? Who were you when you were a child, a teenager, 
And if you're older, what were you like when you were a young adult? You've changed. We all have. Our preferences, our ideas, our passions and interests, social circles, knowledge and experiences, some stay the same, but it's a very small percentage than what we began with. We're meant to expand, to experience, to grow and change. Change is the only thing that's constant, right? <laughs> Greek philosopher Heraclitus. With change, we can't be constant. Therefore, a label isn't fitting and we aren't meant to be confined to boxes. So in episode three, I talked about taking sides, anger, and judgment. Uh, make sure you check out that episode if you haven't, because it definitely correlates and ties in with this episode. Um, it's a really good episode for you to listen on to understand where I'm coming from. I'm actually giving some specific scenarios, real life situations that we are aware about or maybe not aware about, um, depending on where you're located. But uh, it's a really good episode. So episode three of Taking Sides, Anger, and Judgment really ties in with what we're talking about today. So remember, you weren't your roles. You weren't your labels. You weren't in a box when you were born. You developed into and chose those roles. The roles. I'm not talking about different things such as like nationality and whatnot, but the roles you chose for yourself. Aside from those you can't change, such as being a relative to somebody, your nationality or ethnicity, the fact that you're human like everyone else. And you may have been born with a difference, an anomaly, a condition, possibly even made fun of when you were a kid for those. And those who bullied psychologically have internal battles for themselves of unhappiness, whether it be their image, their skills, they maybe have some mental instability, uh, maybe their family and parents and their upbringing. So those who bully, we obviously know are projecting their struggles and their strife onto somebody that's vulnerable. Notice that I did not use the common label for these people. I didn't call them bullies. I said those who bully. See, that's a matter of how we change our language. First off, disability language, um, as an example, per the ADA is for person first. So um, when it comes to somebody with a chronic illness or a disability or so on and so forth, you say person with, person with said chronic illness person with said disability, so on and so forth. So keep that reference in mind because per the ADA, they're understanding that people are people first, but they may have a condition that may or may not go away, but they aren't their condition. They aren't their anomaly. They aren't their chronic illness. And that is why we don't want to label and put people in a box because people are people first. So kind of give you a background where I come from. So I was a shy, scrawny, little blonde, 
into gymnastics. I love animals. I, I say I love animals because I still do, especially horses. I used to draw a lot. I was actually a really good drawer, really good artist. Uh, went hiking and camping and fishing with my dad. I, I wasn't so girly. Um, I really enjoyed being active. I grew up in a Christian household. I got involved in youth group. Uh, those were actually some of my best times, really good memories. But eventually I discovered that it just didn't feel right. And I left the church at 17. And why I don't consider myself a Christian. And I'm sure a lot of people can agree with me on this, but I'm not looking for agreements here. I'm, I'm looking for people to understand why labels and boxes can create stigmas um, and assumptions and negativity and division. Especially right now, I think we have a lot of what we're correlating uh, Christians with Republicans or far right or conservative, right? There's a lot of progressive Christians out there, even progressive Christian leaders, pastors, and whatnot. And it's transforming the, the Christian world. And you have to understand Christian is, is an umbrella because there are many branches uh, to this. And even with Catholicism and things like that, it, it's, it's broadening and uh, it's expanding. And it's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see these boxes grow. <laughs> However, there is still a stigma based on these religions. You know, I mean, why I don't consider myself a Christian? Well, let's bring you back to when I was like about five. And there was one time I got to borrow my brother's Walkman. And I was so excited. And I'm sitting next to my mom. My mom and dad are in the living room. And I'm sitting next to my mom. And I'm flipping through this, the stations of this Walkman, listening to the radio. And I come across heavy metal. Okay. New foreign sound for me. Because all I was used to was Christian music and children's music. You know? And I listened to it and I turned it up a little bit because I was like, what is this? My mom could hear it through the headphones because it was apparently too loud. And she looked at me and she said, you need to turn that off because that's the devil's music. Ooh, I threw those headphones down so fast and literally like I imagined literally that the devil was going to come down or come up <laughs> and suck the soul right out of me and I would be gone. Poof. Like that was my image. So that was my first experience of godly fear. It didn't resonate with me so well. And so, uh, and that, and I always put up a fight going to church when I was little, getting dressed up, especially because I was not a girly girl. I didn't like dressing up. Um, but you know, I, at that time, even going into like the, the nursery or into being with the children, the other children, I, it just wasn't my vibe. It wasn't my thing. And then when I would be in church with my parents, I was bored. So of course it was hard for me to, um, enjoy any of it. Um, that was just me. But as I grew older, um, you know, I did become involved in youth group and I'm thankful for those days. So it was, it was a great sense of community. Um, and I really felt like there was, I, like I was, I was accepted. I was included because 
at that time in my life, I had a lot of um, confidence issues, self-image issues, so on and so forth. And so it was really good to feel like I had a family outside of my home. So I will say it was a great experience. I had a lot of fun times and met a lot of fun, like great people. Um, but I definitely learned, and I'm not even going to go into depth. Maybe in another episode, I'll talk about exactly what happened. But new church, old church merged. And it became very, very big and very materialistic. And that's when I really started to lose a sense of what Christianity was. Um, I was There were stories around me that were true, um, that were happening, that were not Christian-like. Like they were not resembling what I knew to be uh, the Christian life. Um, and so it really started to rub me the wrong way. And I had visited other churches, friends' churches and things like that, but I just felt incomplete. I don't know how to explain that, but I felt incomplete. Um, like there was more to know. And when I was in high school, I actually, it was really interesting is because I never like was a part of one clique and I never molded into one type of person as a teenager. Um, I, you know, it could be one day I dressed like a skater, the next day a goth, the next day a hippie. Um, but I had friends in all cliques. I really did. The nerds and the hippies and the goths and the skaters and the preppies. I had friends in every clique. And that was just me. Like I wasn't super outgoing, but at the same time, for some reason, I was able to at least get along with a lot of other people. Um, and that was nice. Like, I think like when high school came, a lot of that, um, that bullying for me anyways, kind of went away, but I still had a lot of insecurities and I didn't know who I was. I still didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. I got into college. I did running start my junior year. So junior and senior year, I was actually attending college and attending uh, one or two classes for high school. And I chose to get into philosophy and philosophy of religion. Wow, did that expand my knowledge and blow my mind. <laughs> that really, really gave me a, a new perception of all the different religions out there. And I was mind blown at how many different religions were out there. Um, and also just overall spirituality and beliefs. And so I was really happy that I allowed myself to expand my knowledge and understanding of different beliefs so that I could kind of figure out where I belonged, right? And still to this day, I don't consider myself belonging in any uh, spiritual or religious mold, so to speak. I feel like I've definitely taken away a lot of wonderful goodness and substance from different religions and spiritual beliefs. And I like that. I enjoy that because it helps me respect all of these different paths. Um, I also got involved in radio and music, and I had a huge passion for it. I thought I was going to be a radio DJ. I got involved in interning at radio stations and just, you know, being the, the schmoozer with the bands and all that kind of stuff. And I loved it. Um, really got into coffee. I worked for Starbucks and 
I was just like, I'm really digging this part of my life and I'm having fun. And yeah, I went to raves and stuff like that. So I was just exploring. I was having fun. I was figuring myself out. Still not defined, still not locked into any kind of a career path or anything. It took me until 30 to figure out a career path. And uh, that was getting into massage and then the holistic field. And, you know, that jived with where I was at that time, very holistic minded, natural, um, you know, that hippie mindset, wanting to take care of people, uh, so on and so forth. Um, but now at 42, I'm shifting gears. And that doesn't mean that I am closing the doors on that holistic part. By no means, that is a huge part of my life. I want to live holistically. I want to live naturally. And I want to be able to um, find natural and holistic practices uh, for people with mental health issues. But I want to expand my knowledge and expand my career path. And so that's why I'm getting into neuroscience. It's a science. But what's fascinating, people don't realize the fact that the holistic side and science can actually work together. It's really fascinating. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I have so many passions and interests. It's not even funny. I mean, I'm in school full time. I'm doing a podcast and I have my own business. I want to be doing more. I'm advocating for ranked choice voting. I I want to be doing more, um, you know, getting on the volunteer bandwagon again and, and really trying to get that done. But like, I feel like I just don't have enough time on this earth to do all the things that I want to do. <laughs> um, I'm so ambitious and I have all these goals and dreams I, and I'm a chameleon. I can, I can easily kind of jump from, from one role to another. I mean, in fact, in my private practice, not only do I do massage, but I do Reiki, I do life coaching, I do yoga. Um, I've done nutritional coaching. So to me, life is all about learning and I want to keep learning and I keep wanting to expand myself and explore myself. But right now I'm like, I'm super excited about this new path. And, you know, so I understand that from a holistic mindset to me, like medication and things like that are still a last resort, but I respect medicine when it's needed. It definitely has its time and place. I know medical doctors and nurses who support and even practice and promote Eastern medicine and holistic methods who don't like medication and things like that. I know naturopaths and other holistic practitioners who know medicine and surgery has its place and purpose. Massage therapists, for example, can be very stereotyped as holistic into just natural remedies. They're kind of like those hippies. But a major chunk of massage therapists actually take a clinical approach and rely solely on scientific data and biological structure and function of tissue and nerve issues. So we have to understand that massage therapy can go in many directions and many blend the two together like I do. You blend the two together and understand that massage is both scientifically proven as beneficial while it being a more natural approach than medicine and surgery. So again, massage therapists, 
can have a stigma, but that's my title. That's my earned title. But I make sure that I'm, you know, also correctly correcting people and the fact that I'm a massage therapist and not a masseuse. <laughs> that's another story. Anyways, <laughs> but we understand too that there are some unethical and harmful people in every category, every genre, every industry, massage, medicine, science, parents, lawyers, plumbers, mechanics, politicians. But one bad experience or encounter can bring lump assumptions and stereotypes. Reflect on that, especially in the past year, maybe four years, 10 years. Think about that for a minute. Racism is the biggest lump assumption humans create based on what they have been told or one observation or experience. Often these observations or experiences that they've had are indirect via media or their upbringing and what they've been told, perhaps lack of education and exposure to diversity. So that would be the issue there. Often, now we're going to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction for a second and talk about political parties, because that seems to be a huge issue right now. Often I am pegged as a Democrat, a leftist, a liberal. I may agree with a lot of democratic stances and policies, but I find myself in the middle most of the time because there are extremes on both sides. Some democratic attitudes and actions just make me as frustrated as, you know, Republican you know, attitudes and actions. And this is another reason why I don't like to label myself even with a political party. Republicans actually do have a history of goodness, believe it or not. If you actually looked back in the history of Republicans, they were wonderful. They made great decisions and they actually seemed very liberal in a lot of their decisions. In fact, an example was supporting gay marriage when when there was a rise in this back in the 90s. Uh, a couple people that are Republicans uh, that support gay marriage would be Mitt, Mitt Romney or Dick Cheney. That might be a name that you might be familiar with. And you're like, oh yeah, him? Really? Yeah. Dick Cheney actually has a daughter who is gay. And so he supported gay marriage. So again, we cannot have lump assumptions based on a political party, because there are these people in those parties you may be surprised about. Most Democrats do not support taking away guns, but they do have an emphasis on regulations in order to decrease the sales, getting it into the wrong hands. We have a lot of issues when it comes to guns right now. And so we put this lump assumption on the fact that Democrats hate guns, don't like guns, fear guns. And that's absolutely not true. Bernie Sanders, for an example, has even repeatedly voted against background checks and has many constituents who hunt 
And understand, too, that Bernie Sanders hasn't always declared himself a Democrat either. But understand, too, that we we lump Bernie Sanders into that leftist category, yet he doesn't necessarily support a lot of what some Democrats support. So we make lump assumptions of these political parties. We try to cram all of these politicians, all of these candidates, all these cities and states and people that seem to be like-minded into one tiny box. And it's not working because it's completely inaccurate. So this is why we're having pushback. This is why we're having struggles. This is why we're so divisive is because we have people out there going, no, that's not true. That's not who we are. Think about something that you wouldn't like to be stereotyped for based on things you choose, such as your job, your religion, your social or political views. Okay, think about that for a minute. Then there are things that we don't choose. Our physical build, our features, abilities and disabilities, ethnicity, sexual orientation. That's different than gender, by the way, but that shouldn't still matter. Okay, so think about that for a minute. And I know that you may have already experienced those things about being stereotyped or judged based on a label or box that you have, whether it be one that you've chosen or not. Now it's time to play devil's advocate. So hear me out for a minute. We have Black Lives Matter. We have um, LGBTQ rights. We have women's rights demanding equality over the decades, and they deserve equal rights and justice. Everybody deserves equal rights and justice. So so working on these issues um, is important, absolutely. And we're seeing some major breakthroughs. We've seen major breakthroughs, and we're currently seeing some major breakthroughs and changes. But these issues are still not completely remedied and equal. We're not equal yet. And now more recently, we've got the Asian community receiving hate speech and hate attacks based on the lump assumption that they are from China because it was China's fault for COVID. We tend to label ourselves too. And a lot of that is usually out of pride or recognition. Here's the devil's advocate part. This can be just as divisive. Think about that for a minute. So this is going to be a mouthful. So I want you to just kind of digest it. And if you need to like re-listen to this, because I'm trying to, I'm going to be clarifying a lot of what I'm saying here and breaking it down. We should take pride in what we didn't choose for ourselves just as much if not more than what we choose for ourselves. But the self-labeling and the self-identification to either stand out or to belong to a specific community, while we see it as strength and power, diversity and uniqueness, can also create a sense of tribalism. We all want to belong to something something bigger than ourselves. And it's natural for us to be tribal. That is, to gravitate towards those with shared commonalities. The things that we don't choose for ourselves, 
our nationality and ethnicity, our physical and biological makeup, make us feel like we have a place to be accepted and appreciated when we feel knocked down, singled out, defeated, unwanted, judged for things. Therefore, we claim that tribal pride, sometimes with aggression, but it's done behind our fear and our pain. If it weren't for someone's influential idea to bring on inequality and stereotyping of these groups, we wouldn't be here doing this today. We wouldn't have this conversation. We wouldn't be having these movements. It's important to seek justice for what is unfair and what's biased and segregating. Yes. But here's a quote because it would be better coming from him than me. This is an interview that was done on 60 Minutes with Mike Wallace. And it was an interview with Morgan Freeman. And they ended up getting on the subject of racism. And Wallace asks, how are we going to get rid of racism until... And then Freeman cut him off. Morgan Freeman says, stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. I'm, and I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You're not going to say, I know this white guy named Mike Wallace. Hear what I'm saying? End quote. So here's the thing, though. We will never see complete equality for a couple of reasons. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but let's just listen. We are individuals sharing a space, wanting independence and individual purpose, but also to belong. It would be boring if we were all identical. I know we can agree on that, but why do we behave so differently? Also, Segregating ourselves will keep us unequal. So if we wanted things to change, if we wanted things to be completely equal, we would have to stop segregating ourselves and not be even considered man or woman, gay or straight, Republican or Democrat, black or white, right? Sorry, my dog wants to chime in. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. I'm white. I'm a European mutt, mainly of British descent. And even that has its stigmas based on the ancestral representation of slavery and racial superiority. I don't take a lot of pride in that, nor do I take pride in white privilege. In fact, it makes me feel inferior at times and perhaps ashamed of my ancestors. Earlier, I said to take pride in what we didn't choose. Then I just said what I just said. <laughs> so let me clarify. If we didn't distinguish our pride as tribal, such as ethnicity, in such a way to make it sound like we deserve a medal, nor shy away from our pride as if it's embarrassing or painful to reckon with, 
but to see each other as relatives of one another, because biologically we are all relatives to one another, it would be amazing the feats that we could achieve as a species. Scientifically, we all derive from the same blood back to the gene of a black woman known as the Eve gene. Even more scientifically, we humans all derived from different species. Crazy, but yes, hence evolution. Descent with modification, natural selection, allele frequencies, genetic drift, and gene flow are all factors in the evolution of species, including humans. We don't individually evolve. We evolve as a species, as a population. So these limitations, these boxes, is completely opposite of my nature and why many people make errors in judgment when they have others holding expectations of them. And it has much to do with labels and boxes. Like the other day, I was letting a friend know that I've stayed in touch with all these years and all that he really knows of me right now is that I'm a massage therapist. And I told him that I got my vaccine. And he's like, what? It's like, I thought you were all in the holistic stuff. And I'm like, why do you assume that I wouldn't get the vaccine? He goes, well, you know, because you're a massage therapist. I'm like, yeah, there's that stigma. There's that assumption because, you know, I, I've been the hippie. I've been the, taking that holistic approach but I got the vaccine. And the the reason is because one, I understand science. I understand what the vaccine is and what it contains and what it's going to do for our society, you know, out of the goodness of my heart, wanting to help the, the common good over myself, thinking of myself, you know? And so, you know, there's an example, even somebody that knows me, maybe not knows me, knows me, but knows me, had a lump assumption based on my title or, you know, my preferences or whatever. So we have to understand too, that we've created our own morals in our society. And what's normal in one society is obsolete or even offensive in another society and vice versa. And there could be some like this, this idea of superiority amongst labels and even societies and countries. Take, for instance, American pride. There's a lot of American pride out there. You know, I'm an American. Okay, cool. You know it. But there are other people, other countries, other societies who, you know, should be just the same because, again, we're all human. And you know, but we're all diverse. We're all different. And that's, what's great about that. So to sum that up, we all use segregating language, divisive language, either for ourselves, for the group or community that we're in or about other people. And so this podcast was a way to get us all to just kind of step outside of that box, (laughs) pun intended, to understand why we are where we're at today 
I'm constantly trying to work on myself. And that takes me to step outside of a box and to not gravitate toward a label. I won't grow within a label. I won't grow inside a box. There's no room for growth. Those, there's no room for expansion. And so I need to be able to step out of that. And I also need to allow myself to be uncomfortable. And part of this podcast episode was uncomfortable because some people could take some of what I said the wrong way. And, you know, like I said, that that's why I stressed, listen to this over again, listen to this over again and see where I'm coming from. Because in no way do I ever want to sound superior or discounting anybody by any means. And so I allow myself to be uncomfortable, to say uncomfortable things or to be surrounded by something that might feel awkward. But I will never know unless I experience it, right? So go back to that uh, that scenario that I gave about the rooms in a house and think about what you would like to explore in this house we call life. We don't want to miss things, you know, and it's great to discover new things. And hey, if we don't like it, you know, we can move on, but we have to respect those that do like it and vice versa. I would love to talk about comfort zones and change within our own personal life and depression, how those can correlate. So I'm going to talk about that briefly next episode. That shouldn't be too long of an episode, but I want to end with a really interesting exercise, a visualization, so to speak. So if you have a moment, I would love for you to just go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to imagine yourself in space looking down on earth. Okay. And I know that you've seen images of earth from space. So whatever image of earth comes to you. But if you look at it, look at the colors you're seeing greens and browns and blues and whites. But from afar, you're not seeing anything else. You're not seeing division. You're not seeing people. You're not seeing destruction. You're not seeing hate. You see beauty. You see silence. You see, like, I guess if you want to actually give a definition of perfection, you look at earth and go, wow, that's, it's, it's so serene. It's so perfect. It's so quiet. It's so beautiful that you forget of all that stupid crap that's actually happening at your level. I love that as kind of a visualization or meditation, especially when things start to get to me where I start to feel overwhelmed or frustrated with other people um, overcome by, you know, the stresses of life, um, you know, or just the things that are happening in the world that are very, very sad, um, or frustrating to see happening. I have to take a step back and look at the earth at a distance and go, wow, we're all right there. All of us, all of us share that home we call earth. 
we're all on this planet together. We're all trying to accomplish the same things or accomplish different things, but seeking the same things. We want to love and be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to be included, involved, belong. We all want to belong somewhere. But can we take this belonging, this desire of belonging, and know that is it not only is it serving us, but is it su- serving the common good? Is it serving humanity? Is this helpful to humanity as a whole? Because the only way that we are going to survive as a species is if we actually learn to work together. But if we're at each other's throats all the time, pointing fingers, blaming, hating, dividing, that really is going to decrease our survival. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, I would love to hear from you too. If you ever have any questions or would like to be a part of my podcast, um, you are uh, seeking that that path of, of being a decent human being in every day, uh, feel free to email me, sageuppodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And again, next, um, I do want to talk about those personal comfort zones and change and how depression correlates with that. Thank you so much for tuning in.